And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Two great things in life, college football, pepper-crusted bacon. That's what we're here to talk about for the next 60 minutes or so. He is J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN, the SEC Network. Although I got to say, Cole Kublik on his game, he was the one announcer who was actually there at Auburn. Uh, The way we're doing these uh, games now, many of us are – doing it from, from remote points, uh, as was the case for me on A&M Vandy. But he, uh, he drew the, 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 the lucky straw and got chicken fried bacon that he ate on the sidelines at Jordan-Hare Stadium. I, I haven't had chicken fried bacon, JC, but that, that might even top the pepper-crusted bacon. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds delicious and almost like a uh, you know something the old arteries may not appreciate, but you're certainly the old belly and <laughs> and taste buds do, but it's, you know, you can deep fry anything. Uh, those of us that grew up in the South where they had a state fair know that. Um, and I, and I think all over the country, you know, you get the deep fried Oreos. I've never, I've never had anything quite like that, but I do like a funnel cake from every now, every now and then. And I'm sure that deep chicken, fr- chicken fried bacon is what they said. I guess it's like a chicken fried steak. You can get yeah. like a bacon steak, Mike, a thick, like a thick thing of bacon. So depending on actually how they cooked it, uh, that could eat, that could be like this side of delicious to me. Uh, it sounds quite good. I've had little fillets with wrapped in bacon, mm-hmm. but I've never had kind of a battered bacon. Mm. And I am all in on both of those things because I love <laughs> me some fried food and I love me some bacon. So believe you me, uh, if that's going to be served at some football stadium that I'm at in the near future, then I will be ordering a double of that. Uh, we just completed another week, much to the dismay of the Corona bros and uh, Christine Brennan and all that uh, are so disheartened that we're having a college football, but uh, still good. I mean, we finally now with the start of SEC football and we'll still have big 10 and that can't come soon enough too. But uh, it, it did feel less and less like a preseason and more and more like the start of an actual regular uh, college football season with all 14 SEC teams in play. We'll go over those matchups, a huge upset in the Big 12. That, that is a conference that just continues to cripple itself. You, know, you put all your hopes on Oklahoma and if it's not Oklahoma then who so now it's like the entire league if you believe in conspiracy theories the entire Big 12 would do everything in its power and have Texas not lose a game Mm -hmm. because there's no way anybody else in that league has a chance at a playoff especially with all the conferences now involved uh we had I don't know if you want to call this a stunner actually uh let's let's give credit where credit is due J.C. Sherbert on this podcast and many other shows called his shot, <laughs> called his shot. He said, I'm going with the pirate over LSU in death Valley. Uh, I thought he was a little bit off on that. I was a little concerned. A couple of hits to the head, maybe a new haircut. Maybe the, the blades got a little too close to the scalp. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that Stingley would have, been the difference in winning or losing. Certainly when you lose a player, his magnitude and you're going up against an air raid offense, it hurt. 
But LSU's got other off uh, other issues besides just missing Derek Stingley. And give credit where it's due. Uh, we all were excited to see Mike Leach in the SEC uh, I, I, for for so many reasons. And he just gave us one more big reason to be excited. So congratulations. We'll start off there with what happened in Baton Rouge. And KJ Costello, you know, a, a guy that spent his college career running the pro style, uh, for lack of a better term, plotting offense out of Stanford, um, rolling in in the air raid. Not even a guy that you would have, you know, the guys that do well in the air raid, Mike, are guys like, you know, a Patrick Mahomes or a, a Garner Minshew or, or somebody like that. It, it, and Costello to me, you know, I was like, he's kind of a big lumbering, you know, kind of guy. Well, my goodness gracious, <laughs> 623 yards. That's the, the biggest passing total in the history of the Southeastern conference. Um, and I know Stingley was out, but they have other defensive backs at LSU. Um, mm-hmm. and, and look, the thing about it too, that was impressive as well as Mississippi state did not play a perfect game by any stretch. Uh, they can still do better. I'm, I'm starting to come around to the air raid offense in this league, Mike, because uh, for a long time, I was kind of a purist and, and uh, I've looked at times where they tried it like at Kentucky, uh, when how mummy was there and they put up numbers with Tim couch for sure. But whenever they ran into a good football team, they were stopped, you know, uh, one year, Tony Franklin tried it under Tommy Tuberville at Auburn, and you know that didn't work out too well. I think everybody got fired after that year, and and so I've always kind of been this person that's like, well, I don't know um, about the air raid working uh, in its purest sense. You know, if you want to modify it like some folks do, but after watching LSU last year, and that, you know Brady, their offensive guy from last year, was a you know, he came from the Saints, but there's a lot of that stuff being incorporated now into pro football. If you look around the National Football League, and 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 essentially that's what that offense was last season with Joe Burrow was was an air raid. Um, you know, like where you're not you're not afraid to go five wide and empty backfield on first and ten. Um, and, and and you know, Mike Lee's is the godfather of it. Now you know I. I thought he used Kylan Hill masterfully. I I looked at the stat sheet after the game and was like, well, he's, you know, Hill's going to be upset because he only rushed it seven times for 34 yards. But then I looked and he caught eight for 180. (laughs) Uh, And you heard some of their players in the preseason talk about how they were going to use Hill like an Alvin Kamara. And sure enough, that happened. Um, And and so hats off to to Mike Leach and the Pirate and and congratulations to Mississippi. It's been a tough couple of years to be a Mississippi State fan. You lose Dan Mullen. Uh, The Moorhead era did not work out. Um, You had to fire your coach after a bowl game last year, you know, and you wouldn't have been in had an Ole Miss player not decided to pee. Um, And and then you go get Leach and, 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 you know, he's done a good job down there. you know, and, and, and that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's a big deal. I think. And and, and the one final thing that we, me and you, we've never discussed here that I realized watching that game, me and you and then everybody else that have watched air raid offenses over the years, we've watched it at Texas tech in the big 12, where they don't really play D we've watched it in the pac 12 where let's be honest, the defensive, the defenses they face at times are not all that good. Um, but what we also didn't keep in mind is, you know, we think about Mississippi State as far as level of athlete goes, right? You know, guys that can run, be athletic, 
play physical, who are big. Um, and, and we think, well, it's usually the you know, second half, you know, second bottom half of the SEC when you stack up their talent and not just talent, but athleticism, talking guys that can run. But what we don't realize, Mike, is you compare that situation to Texas Tech and Washington State, and it's by far the most athletically talented team Mike Leach has ever coached, you know, because for every Michael Crabtree they have out at Texas Tech, they got two or three guys that wouldn't start anywhere in the Southeastern Conference because they can't run, you know. And, and so, you know, with all, you know, no disrespect to anybody that played for him at, at either stop, but Mississippi State does have better athletes. And you know what? He mentioned it in his press conference, in his own way, his introductory press conference. He's like, well, um, uh, you know, um, I, I, had to, I had to take the job because, you know, you, you just draw a circle around where we're at here. And, you know, there's just a lot of players. And that's it. And, and as a recruiting guy, I completely missed it because we don't, we always think about it in terms of comparing it to the rest of the Southeastern conference, but you compare it to everywhere else Mike Leach has coached and uh, he's got more ballers than he ever has. Well, he, he does. I mean, I, I had his uh, Gator bowl in 2008. I called that game on radio and I remember doing the scouting on that. Uh, that team had Graham Harrell. Hmm. At quarterback, who's now a coach, rising Grant stars, Harris, yeah, right. And he set a, set all kinds of records. They did have Crabtree, uh, and then they had like guys who Danny Amendola, who nobody <laughs> wanted, and then he plays for Mike Leach, and all of a sudden he puts up ridiculous numbers and winds up with a solid pro career. Mm-hmm. Danny Amendola, if it wasn't for a guy like Mike Leach, was probably playing at one double A football and never gets a sniff at the NFL. So this guy takes what he has and he can turn a bunch of three-star guys on offense and at times make them look like five-star. Uh, and that game, by the way, was against Virginia and had Chris Long as a first-round draft pick defensive lineman and pretty, you know, pretty salty on D. It wasn't a Big 12 defense. Um, that being said, I don't want to overreact. I mean, I don't want to sit here and, and – and say that they're going to do this week in week out. LSU is a team that has some issues and they got completely blitzkrieged with what they saw. Uh, it reminds me almost like when Spurrier took over at Florida in 1990 and these sec defenses thought they had the, the, you know, the, the game figured out. And then they're like, Holy, never seen anything like this. And he's racking up 45 points on everybody in a league full of salty defenses. Now, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of offenses do offshoots of this. They just don't do it as often as Mike Leach does. And if you watch the beginning of that game, I mean, Costello throws an awful pick six. They, he missed on some throws. And you're thinking eventually LSU will impose its will on Mississippi State. But Leach just doesn't know the, the, the word failure. Like he, it, he just thinks eventually the same 10 plays that he runs the entire game. Now, obviously there's different versions of each one, but it's not an overly complex playbook. I was talking with Gene Chizik, a former uh, Auburn head coach, a longtime defensive coordinator, of course that led Auburn to a natty in, in 2010 with Cam and we were talking about Mike Leach. He said, it's the same plays that he ran 20 years ago. Like he, he's not, 
he's not reinventing anything other than what he's been doing his whole career. Now he's got better athletes. Kylie Hill is, I mean, that's an NFL running back. He didn't have any of those at Texas tech or certainly didn't have many at Washington state. Um, and he's got athletic receivers, even though they're not all world in most cases. And I was, I mean, I had to do a deep dive on KJ Costello because I'll be honest with you. When I heard he was a, a grad transfer from Stanford, I was like, okay, that's fine. So what? What did he do at Stanford? It's Elvis' he son, man. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, he's, he's six, five, he's two twenty five. He, he could, he's not a great runner. Um, he is, fr- is, uh, what freshman, sophomore first year he played yeah. pedestrian numbers. His career year came in 2018 where he had 29 touchdowns, 11 picks through for 3,500 yards and a league that plays much like the big 12, very little defense and didn't exactly light the world on fire. And then last year had some injuries and only played in five games. And so it wasn't like this guy was the, uh, the gem of the free agent market, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I, it didn't, it didn't move the needle to me that they got KJ Costello. I wasn't even sure if he was going to start and win the job, but he won it. And if you watch the, 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 the remainder of that game, dude didn't miss a throw. I mean, he's throwing deep balls on target left and right. And of course, you know, when you face a Mike Leach offense, guys are going to be running open. He's just going to keep running plays. And if you know where to look, at least one of those guys is going to have a beat. So the windows aren't as tight as they would ordinarily be. And he's just dropping them in the bucket left and right and left and right. And they pulled it off. So I kudos to everything Mike Leach and Mississippi State. Uh, with all due respect to LSU, had a tremendous moment in the sun a year ago. I didn't think they were actually going to be a competitor for a, a playoff spot this year. Uh, and the bigger story, and what's really better for the league, quite honestly, is Mississippi State and Mike Leach winning that game. I mean, now we're, we're talking about somebody other than Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida. Oh, yeah. And Mike Leach was classic afterward, too. He started... You know, like the first thing they did when they got back to Starkville, they they did a video, and and it's it's <laughs> there's a pirate flag out on the field, and you know Mike Leach comes up in this wagon, and and there's there's a trumpet player and a tuba player out there and a clarinet player, I think, and uh, Leach gets to the camera, goes looking for a bandwagon, <laughs> and he goes and rings the cowbell, goes hail state. And it didn't even hit me that like, I was like, why is the, I was like, well, it's nice. They have the band out there. And, you know, I was like, and I knew that was a bandwagon, but I, I didn't realize, you know, that, well, the band needs to be there for it to be a bandwagon. Um, and, and then he gets in the press conference and, uh, or actually had an interview with, with uh, Clay Travis. Uh, and they ask him, you know, off the wall, Hey, have you ever thought about, you know, coaching on the sidelines in a costume in full costume, like a pirate and like, what would Nick's cause they play Alabama on Halloween. And uh, he was like, what do you think Nick Saban would say about that? And he goes, well, you know, Nick seems like the type of coach that could really get into some dress up, you know, <laughs> I mean, already just like going off and, and having fun with it. And, and he's mentioned this about Costello. He, here's the thing too, about most of Leach's quarterbacks, Mike, you know, Costello has some arm strength. Most of these guys over the years have not necessarily been, 
you know, guys that line up and, and, and sling it down the field deep and throw it like that, you know, with that kind of right. talent at arm talent, they're usually like really accurate. Right. Remember Mahomes did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mahomes did play. In don't realize Mahomes did not play for Leach. No, he played in the uh, system for most Kingsbury. Of the guys yeah. Kind of, yeah. Right, right, right. But I'm saying Mike Leach was able to do what he was able to do with guys more like Graham, Graham Harrell yeah. and, and, and guys with, that didn't have NFL arms necessarily. Mm, I know. And, and this guy does. And so, and you noticed that on the deep ball, here's a stat for you. Uh, and two things. Number one, Mississippi state rushed for nine yards Saturday, <laughs> nine, niner. Okay. Uh, so Bo Pelini's probably real ticked about that, but, but what's underrated, uh, Mississippi state's defensive coordinator is a good young coach named Zach Arnett. He was with Rocky long at San Diego state, put together some hellacious defenses for the mountain West at SDSU. He's 34 years old. Uh, he was hired originally at Syracuse. Then when Leach got the state job, he went to state, uh, and they held LSU's running game in check, Mike, 80, 80 yards on 38 carries, you know, you'd kind of think LSU could line it up and, and pound them a little bit because LSU's probably better on the line of scrimmage. But, you know, that didn't happen. 80 net rushing yards. You know, Miles Brennan had a big day. I'm still not sold on him. Obviously, Terrence Marshall did. But I think if you're Mississippi State and you could force turnovers on defense like they did, um, they had two turnovers on Brennan, and you can keep teams from gashing you in the run game, that's a recipe for success for your defense to get the ball back to your offense. And, and I think that was an underrated, I know LSU scored 34 points and, you know, had a bunch of yards, but you know, 425 yards to be exact. But I, I think the, 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 you know, the, the recipe for success with Mississippi state on defense uh, was a pretty good one for a 34 year old coordinator, you know, that's fresh out of the mountain West. No doubt. Um, and by the way, even though they didn't, they didn't rush the ball much, Hill's very much involved in the running game, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, in the passing game, which is why he's, again, an NFL back. He, he was a, a definite weapon as a receiver in that game, another staple of Mike Leach. I mean, if you're athletic enough and you've got good hands, uh, maybe you can't push the line of scrimmage and get creases there for the running game, but your backs can be weapons. And, and that was the case uh, in that game. So uh, again, I don't think this is a major upset. I am surprised it happened. Um, I thought it would be a competitive game. I don't remember what the line was, but I thought LSU would just be too, too much at the end. It was six, 16 and a half. And I mean, I, yeah. mean I, I didn't, I didn't disagree with the line. I just, I think that when you're analyzing LSU, uh, the, the tendency is to just think that they're a team like Bama or Clemson and then Ohio, Ohio state. And I've said for a long time, like those teams are in a class by themselves from a roster standpoint, because they've been doing it and doing it. LSU got caught lightning in a bottle last year. They do recruit well, but you know, you take 36 players and two coordinators away from that team, you know, there's and then Stingley's out on top of that, you know, it it was going to be an issue, but um, you know, so that's how that went down. Yep. Uh, so that for a lot of people was the headliner, by the way, incredible ratings, uh, for that game, which was in the CBS slot. You, the other one that, uh, everybody looked forward to was Auburn, Kentucky. And this was the upset special that everybody was calling for, right? Kentucky's going to do it. Um, 
I don't want to be too critical of Terry Wilson, but I, I, I don't think necessarily Terry Wilson is, is the kind of quarterback that a lot of the people assume that he is. First of all, he's a terrific young man, uh, young man. I've, I've interviewed him getting ready to call Kentucky games. He's a true leader. He's got all the intangibles. He's all those things. Uh, and they won a lot of games with him before, of course, they had to win games with a wide receiver quarterback last year. But Terry, Kentucky at its core needs to be a team that is very stout defensively and runs the ball well in order for Terry Wilson to shine. They, he's not the kind of guy that uh, is necessarily going to beat you just throwing 30 to 30 plus times a game. And there were a couple of controversial plays in this game. I don't know why Kentucky called for the fake punt when they did. I thought that was a mistake. Uh, the call on, on the, at the goal line to me was a mistake. You got the best offensive line, perhaps in the sec. Why are you throwing there as opposed to running? Um, so I, I, I didn't like some of, and Eddie Grant has been as good a play caller as anybody in this league now for the last couple of years. I did not think it was a great day for him. I didn't think it was a great day for Kentucky. And I think some people might be assuming Terry Wilson is a different player that he is. That being said, give, give Auburn credit. Uh, you know, Knicks doesn't throw interceptions, doesn't make mistakes. They, they lost a lot on defense, but they're still awfully physical, awfully stout there. Uh, and, and, you know, this might be one of the few years where Gus Malzahn opens up the season and they're not talking about firing him at the minute he loses the first game. That, that probably helps your staff a little bit. I thought Auburn played loose, so I thought Auburn played well. Yeah, and they pulled away at the end. You know, Kentucky did outgain them. Uh, didn't think, it, uh, you know, I, I think if you're Auburn, there are some concerns, especially with your ability to establish the run. I thought Bo Nix was really steady. Uh, and then at the end of the game, you know, you, you score two touchdowns and you pull away. Uh, was disappointed in Kentucky for not, you know, we talked about the keys to this game, Mike. Thought the key was going to be Auburn's run defense. Well, Kentucky, you know, did have, you know, some rushing yards. They they had 145 of them. Smoke only gets seven carries. And I'm not sure if he got hurt or not. I, I may have missed that. But, uh, you know, Wilson carries it 13 times. But, but Terry Wilson throwing the ball 37 times, Mike, to me, was not a recipe for success no. for the Kentucky Wildcats, nor will it be this weekend when they play Mississippi State, you know, because you, you've got another – you've got a whole different set of problems that's heading to Lexington. Uh, I, wait a minute. That's not this weekend. That's in two weeks. They play Ole Miss this week, which also had an explosive day on offense. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I get it. I, I like Josh Ali as a player. Getting the need to put the ball in his hands, but I, you know, to me it was just uh, disappointing, you know, because I, I thought that through the third quarter, Kentucky, that was like that's the recipe that they're going to have to have, and then they 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 sort of just didn't stick to it or, or whatever. Also, would be very concerned about Auburn's running game right now if I were the Tigers, especially heading into Georgia this weekend. You know, uh, lucky for them, they got Bo Nix and those receivers like Seth Williams and Stove and those guys because. You know, the run game just did not go very far, and they have talented backs. So, you know, you, you got to kind of be concerned three yards per carry because uh, your defense you're facing this weekend is a whole different ball game. Georgia knocks off Arkansas 37-10. That sounds like your typical uh, ho-hum blowout. No, no big deal. If you didn't know any better, you probably thought DeJuan Mathis shined in his debut as a freshman quarterback and 
Georgia did barely had to break a sweat. Well, none of those things actually went that way. Dewan Mathis uh, looked like the moment was just too big for him. Went out there, uh, really struggled, threw for 55 yards and a pick before getting pulled for one of my new uh, favorite names uh, in college football, Stetson Bennett the fourth. Uh, Stetson Bennett the fourth. We did not expect to see it all in that game, but he saved the day. Made enough plays. It was 20 of 29, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, and Georgia's uh, defense was certainly as dominating as we thought it would be. And the Bulldogs go on to win at 37-10. You know, later on, we'll take a look at the upcoming games. And, of course, Georgia has a huge one against Auburn. Uh, JT Daniels has been cleared to play now. So Georgia's got to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. But uh, 37-10, the Bulldogs pull it off. Yeah, and then, look, I, I thought, you know, after hearing what we've heard about DeWan Mathis, you know, it, 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 they were going to struggle throwing the ball. I thought Georgia's going to have to run it, and I thought Arkansas could could cause them some problems early. Um, you know, Felipe Franks throws a pick six, Mike. I don't, you know, when, when Georgia's pulling away. Man, and that was ugly, too. He, I mean, I, I, you know, from – a thousand miles away on my television, I could see like that was coming. Uh, and it did uh, good job by Georgia's running backs. And look, Stetson Bennett, like last year had something happened to Jake Fromm. Bennett was going in the game. I mean, you know, nobody talks about that. Um, Cause they, you know, people talk about walk-ons, not this, that, and the other. Well, sometimes walk-ons are your better guy. Uh, I think if I'm Georgia this weekend, I'm starting Stetson Bennett and easing JT Daniels into it. I know JT Daniels is probably more talented, um, but Stetson gave you a, a shot. Uh, he's, he's, you know, part of your team uh, and been part of your team. He's not a transfer or a guy that's never played. And, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, in a game that, that you know, th- this is an early test and, and there's a lot of early tests this year uh, for the Bulldogs, but, you know, I think that uh, you got to ride your defense and just not, you know, I, I think it would be a big gamble to play JT Daniels just because, you know, how rusty is he? You know, is Kevin Steele's a veteran coordinator. Auburn does have talent on defense. Could he screw it up to the point where you, you can't just come back like you came back against Arkansas? Um, so if I'm, if I'm Georgia, I'm starting Bennett, running the football, playing defense, and, and, and trying to get out of there 2-0. And then continuing to reassess. As for Arkansas, saw some good things. You know, Sam Pittman's debut. Uh, I think they probably need to think about their quarterback situation, to be honest. Um, you know, I thought there were some other things that were really positive. Uh, but, you know, you, you keep making those mistakes over and over. Uh, it's going to cost you, especially when you're kind of trying to rebuild. But overall, you know, nothing to hang your head about from, from the Razorbacks. But, you know, I, I do think there's some questions there at QB as they head into they head into Starkville to play Mike Leach and the Bulldogs this weekend. Caddyshack two was an awful movie. I'd like to have a mulligan on that and have a Caddyshack three. And the late Ted Knight is no longer there to play Judge Smells. But I'd like to think uh, the new kind of uh, main character from Bushwood would be somebody named Stetson Bennett the fourth. Just a thought. If you're, you didn't like the Dan, Ack, the Dan Aykroyd character and the, the that served the oh. chili and eggs. You didn't like that? No, that that movie truly one of the worst sequels ever. Just just absolutely brutal. Uh, 
Karate Kid 2, not far behind. Karate Kid 3, not too far behind. Sorry, there was a Karate Kid uh, marathon the other day uh, on, on the TV. Um, Florida blows out Ole Miss in the, one of the, the other early games. Saw that. Um, it, it, Dan Mullen, look, Dan Mullen is just going to – he's going to add points to your score uh, if you're a quarterback. I mean, he is just going to make you – Daniel Trask is fine and he's serviceable. And give him credit. This kid was a backup his whole life. We know the story by now. He's a backup to De'Ara King in high school. He was a backup to Felipe Franks, which is hard to believe at Florida. Uh, but now as a starter, the guy goes out there and throws six touchdown passes. Uh, you've, you've got a Kyle Pitts is going to be a first round tight end Ooh. when he's eligible a year from now. He is Crazy ridiculously good. talented. Uh, they've got weapons all over the place. They've got a good defense, although I thought it was – they had some breakdowns in that game. And look, Lane Kiffin called some really good plays early, got, got a little cute with some gadgetry, and it worked, caught the Gators off guard. Uh, Lane Kiffin did Lane Kiffin things. But in the end, I couldn't help but think this is the same Ole Miss movie that I've been watching for a while. They can put some points on the board. They have no defense. No. Yeah. They, uh, and yeah. at some point, we can't keep blaming Ole Miss coordinators for that. They've, they've got a talent issue on that side of the football. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of defensive talent in the state of Mississippi, Mike. I mean, in the JUCO ranks alone in that state, you you annually have excellent defensive linemen, linebackers, and, and defensive backs. So there's really no excuse at state. And I know that at both these schools, they're offensive-oriented now, so it, it, you know, it may not show up. But there's really no excuse for them not to have personnel. You know, Lane Kiffin uh, and, and his offense did look good, I, you know, I've said for many years when you get a Todd Grantham defense, and, and this applies to this weekend too, uh, it's either a disaster or opportunity. Um, and, and for Ole Miss, it was an opportunity this weekend because he'll he'll blitz and send pressure, and there's there's chances if you take them, but you've got to keep them off of you because it could turn ugly in a hurry. I do think Florida getting some defensive personnel back this coming weekend against South Carolina is going to be important uh, for them in terms of. You know, right now the Gators, you know, in terms of defense, Mike, they, they gave up 613 yards last week. That's a lot, 443 passing. But, but they're getting some guys back, including some guys in the secondary, and I think they'll be fine. I think this is the best Florida team skill talent-wise since the Urban Meyer era. Uh, I'll say that. I think in terms of having the number of guys at receiver – you know, the number of guys that can carry the ball from scrimmage and make explosive plays. And then you throw in a guy like Kyle Pitts uh, and a quarterback to run it all like Trask. I mean, it is a dangerous, dangerous offense, probably one of the best in the SEC. Uh, and I think they're really on to something. You know, I, I, I think that as long as this isn't a sign that the defense is going to be bad this year, uh, I believe the Gators can win a lot of games, a lot of games. Uh, just simply because they, they they have the right scheme. They've always had the right scheme with Mullen, but now they've got the personnel. And, and like I said, it's the most talented uh, team skill personnel-wise Florida's had since since Urban left. And so I think that's a, uh, that's a testament to how they've pieced the players together and the evaluations they've made and, you know, all that good stuff down in Gainesville. Well, you know, uh, Florida fans have suffered through – just bad offense. And when you go from Spurrier and Werfel and Ike Hilliard and Redale Anthony, by the way, Pitts tied uh, Ike Hilliard's touchdown record, four receptions at four TDs in the game. Uh, and you go from those kind of weapons 
and then you get Percy Harvin, you know, and you get uh, before he went sideways, Aaron Hernandez, and you know all the weapons that they had under Urban, and then you go to what they had under McIlwain and Muschamp, and it just wasn't the same deal. And the offense just it, it was brutal to watch for years, and so that fan base has been clamoring. Obviously everybody wants to win, but style points, you always call it the DNA of a program, JC, the DNA of a program at Florida is to be able to throw the football as one of the better passing teams in the country. And that has not been there for a while. Dan Mullen is trying to get that back. And it looks like he's got a quarterback that can do it. Uh, so 51 35, the final, in that ball game, Alabama, Missouri, there's not much to say here. It, uh, Nick Saban pulls his starters early on in the game, including at quarterback. They've got bigger fish to fry. They went at 38, 19. That sounds a heck of a lot closer than the game was Eli Drinkwitz, Who's done about 2,700 talk shows since he got the job uh, is a very popular and likable guy and doing what he can to get Missouri back to relevance, but they were just simply outmanned in this game. And I think, look, the, the the silver lining for Mizzou is, you know, when you 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 kind of get your brains beat in in the first half, and then your kids go out there and play pretty hard and have some success in the fourth quarter, and you know they see those white uniforms and the numbers on the crimson helmets, and they're like, hey, you know, so this is going to give them some confidence. Now they have to go to Tennessee this weekend. That's going to be a challenge, uh, but I think. Uh, you know, there was a silver lining there for Missouri, even though we all know Alabama pulled all its starters and they were resting up. And I think you're going to see Bama do that a lot this year, Mike, because Saban's no dummy. He knows he's playing an all SEC schedule. You don't have the breather games. It's going to be like the He's going to treat it like the NFL to where if he's comfortably ahead, he won't run up the score. You're not going to see Bama hang 60 on somebody like you did last year. I think that, um, you know, it's kind of survive in advance and get ready for the next week. And, and certainly Bama probably has a little bigger challenge in A&M, probably not as big as we thought. But, um, you know, certainly uh, – and then I want to say this about Mac Jones uh, for Alabama, that quarterback. I think he's clearly the guy. There's a lot of talk about freshman Bryce uh, Young who, you know, has a bright future and, you know, the comparisons back to, to Tua and all that. I, I don't I, – I, you know, I, I don't think he's – quite ready to go be to uh, Bryce Young. I think he's going to be good. Uh, and I think this is Mac Jones' team, and I think he's playing really, really well. But it, it's a wise move in case you don't exactly know what you have in Mac Jones yet. You you get Bryce Young some reps. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I love that move. If you're, you, Of course, you have the luxury that most other coaches don't. You go into that game knowing Missouri has little to no chance of beating you. So you can go ahead and, and make a change like that mid-game, not because Mac was doing anything poorly, but because you want your freshman sensation to get some reps. Yeah, and, that's what they and, wound up doing. And Sean Robinson, the quarterback from Missouri. I remember you and I sitting in Atlanta a couple of years ago watching TCU play Ohio State in an early uh early uh season neutral site game, and Sean Robinson was playing quarterback for TCU and did some good things and now he's at Missouri, 19 for 2,585 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, good, good, good open for him. I mean, he needed some confidence or he's going to get beat out. Um, and so I think a uh, good open for him and something he can build on for the Tigers. 
two more to go and they went on at the same time uh i was calling one of them i know your eyes were focused on the other so let's uh, start with the one that you were not so focused on and that was the one that was going on in college station texas a&m so many expectations jimbo fisher year three it's kind of it's almost unfair although nobody's going to feel sorry for a man that's got enough money for a mansion and a yacht but when you think of jimbo fisher now you think 75 million dollars like that like if you did a word association game jimbo fisher 75 million dollars like you don't you don't necessarily come up with national championship coach i mean you know that uh you know he's been a talented offensive coordinator wherever he's been and and had a good run although a bad ending at florida state um and some still think that the, the, the toxic culture in Tallahassee started with the tail end of Jimbo and it's just kind of carried over and you saw how bad they looked against Miami. We'll get to that later mm. on. But, uh, but, but this was the year. Kellen Mond, a senior, the only three-year starter in the SEC, Todd McShay's fourth-rated quarterback going into the draft. You got talented running backs, broad wide receiver, all SEC type tight end and Weidermeyer, studs on the D-line, studs on defense overall, 30-point favorites against Vanderbilt. They went at 17-12. to 12. Mm. Uh, It was not a very inspiring effort, I can tell you firsthand. Kellen Mond did not look great, made a, a number of uh, mistakes in that game. Love their running backs, like their defense, but I, I, it, to me it looked like the same Kellen Mond. And I don't know if this is the Texas A&M team that so many people want to ascend to the next level. And, and, and you have some people picking them to win the Western division this year. I think a lot of those folks might want a mulligan after this game. Yeah. Well, this is, this is supposed to be the year when you look at it. And when I've, we, I talked we talked about this a year ago, you know, look, two is going to be gone and you've got, um, you know, Burrow's going to be gone from LSU. You know, you, you've got Auburn with issues. They're losing their defense. You know, yeah. A&M, you know, third year Jimbo Fisher. This should be the year that they don't have to go play something stupid like at Clemson and at Georgia in the same season. Um, unfortunately, they've had a lot of folks leave. Uh, and, and, and people don't realize that affects you, even the teams that recruit well, because, you know, if you're Kellen Mond, you, you know, you, you know, your receivers are gone. You know, the guy, you know, Osmond is worth yardage and touchdowns and all that. He's not there. Um and, uh, you know, I think that makes Kellen Mond sort of the same quarterback he was last year. This game offensively for the Aggies sort of reminded me, Mike, of, of the Clemson game last year, except they weren't playing Clemson. Uh, just really hard to score and, you know, nothing real dynamic and just trying to kind of do what you can to get by. Uh, and that's not going to cut it on Saturday in Tuscaloosa uh against uh the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, they're gonna have to put some points on the board, uh, I think, because I think Bama certainly will. So, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe maybe all the all the adversity at Vanderbilt brought them together this offseason because they they certainly held their own. Um I know this Ken Seals kid, they got a quarterback, so a guy that their staff really likes. I like him. Um, and he's got a good future there. I mean I know he threw a couple yeah. picks, but uh you know, maybe Vandy's going to be a little better than we thought. Well, I like Ken Seals. The problem for Derek Mason is he comes a year too late. Mm-hmm. Like you had an NFL back in, in Vaughn. You had uh, Lipscomb and Pickney that were that were pros all on that offense last year, and you did nothing with it. 
So now you have a quarterback, but he's got no weapons. I mean, it is their receivers don't separate. They don't have a, a you know Keyshawn Vaughn is the type of back that doesn't come to Vanderbilt every every so often. Uh, and of course, they got him in a transfer. So I think it's from afraid to say it's going to be another long year. I love his hire as a coordinator, Todd Fitch, who worked under Lou Holtz. Uh, back at South Carolina and helped develop Phil Petty. Um, Ted Roof has been around the block more than once as a DC. You know, he's, he's hired like eight coordinators in his time. Mason has. So uh, he, I think he's got the right guys, but you know, Vanderbilt's so hard to evaluate because it, we don't judge Vanderbilt like we do other SEC teams. I mean, Derek Mason is 20 something games under 500 and his best season is six and seven. Uh, that'll get you fired everywhere else in the SEC, as we know. But at Vanderbilt, it's a different expectation, and you've had all kinds of turnover with the administration. And uh, So I, I don't know if – I always see his name on the hot seat list, but I never know if that's legitimate or not because I don't know what Vanderbilt truly expects. But, I would have uh, fired him after his first year, to be honest. I mean, and that's nothing against Derek Mason. I mean, obviously their alums and boosters are happy that he could beat Tennessee um, mm-hmm. and take them to bowls a couple of times. And so he's kind of hold on, held on. But, you know, you take over a program that's won 18 games back-to-back years. And, and I know under James Franklin, and I know we go, well, that was the high point. They were coming back down to earth. Well, the next year, Derek Mason inherited a lot a lot of those same players that won 18 the previous two years, and he proceeded to go winless in the SEC. Mike, why? He was trying to shove what James Franklin did and was successful with a uh, square peg into a round hole. It was almost like when Will Muschamp took over for Urban Meyer at Florida, you know, except it's Vandy, and if you do that, you're, you're gone. So I give him credit for beating Tennessee like he has. That's a fun thing for Vandy fans. Um, but I think he should have been gone a long time ago. I, I will say this. I'm right there with you on, on the, on the quarterback and, uh, Todd Fitch. I have followed his career for a long time because he wasn't South Carolina or Lou Holtz. And he's been with Skip Holtz for a long time. Skip Holtz mm-hmm. is a guy that's done more with less at Louisiana tech for a long time. And Fitch has been the one dialing up the plays. And I think that's what you got to have. Uh, and then Ted roof, you know, he was at app state last year and, you know, beat North North Carolina and South Carolina, and against South Carolina had a an outstanding game plan. Literally out coached the entire staff at South Carolina. You know, he's worked at Georgia Tech a couple of times. He's a Tech guy. He was the head coach at Duke. Uh, was the defensive coordinator for the aforementioned Auburn National Championship team in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so a guy that can. You know, the, the, the places he's been when you've been at Duke, when you've been at Georgia tech, when you've been at app state places like this, and then you've also been at an Auburn where you've done it at the highest level, you know how to do less with more and more with more. And um, so congrats to him. That was a heck of a heck of a defensive effort by those kids Saturday night. And, you know, we'll see, I don't know who exactly Vanderbilt has this weekend. Cause I didn't look it up, uh, but whoever they're playing, you know, they better, better get ready. Um, because the, the Commodores are probably not going to be as easy of an out as people imagined this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, they're always uh, stingy on defense and, and Ted Roof makes them even more. So by the way, they've got LSU. LSU. Oh man. <laughs> so if LSU loses that game, um, wow. 
that's, it's, you know, that's, they're they're going to really have to live off the national championship this year <laughs> if that one doesn't go their way. Uh, yeah, that 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 game is oddly intriguing. Um, all of a sudden, the way and, you know, and no fans in Nashville in the, in the city of Nashville, which like those of you that are listening in Nashville, I completely disagree with the mayor, and I think he's a clown for all of his. Uh, you know, COVID restrictions and, and, and choking, you know, whether he lied or not, you know, the, the yeah, choking. lying about COVID David data is yeah. not really a good way to get reelected. Yeah. I mean, especially in Nashville where he's choking the life out of businesses, but they're the only campus in the, in the league where there is no fans. Now I think that might've changed. Oh, did that change? Okay. I, I'm sorry. I, I think, I think as of the last couple of days, they've announced they will allow a few. Okay. And oh, good, good for yes. them because there's a few of them. And, uh, you know, that this is one time where, you know, LSU coming up, if it were a normal year, LSU probably bring about 15,000 to come oh, hang out it. in the music city. But, uh, Vandy could have a little home field advantage. And I'm telling you, if I'm LSU, I'm a little, they got LSU and South Carolina back to back at home. And after watching them this past weekend, if I'm either one of those teams, I'm a little bit, you know, I got my eye, you know, <laughs> I'm a little bit more nervous than that about that than yeah. maybe I was. Uh, this is the beauty of the all-conference slate. I mean, every game has some level of intrigue. Sometimes you have to dig a little deeper to find it, but it's there. All right, the only game we haven't mentioned is the one that I know you were, uh, your eyes were certainly peeled on, and that was Tennessee against South Carolina. The Volunteers win at 31-27. I caught the tail end of the game on the infamous uh, special teams play where somebody forgot to yell Peter and the ball hits the Gamecock returner uh, on the back of the leg. Not he's, he didn't never saw the ball and, and that's how the game ends. Uh, there, there's no telling if they would have marched down the field with a winning touchdown had it not happened, but it, it's, it's one of those where you've said this before, uh, and I've heard other people mentioned it that covered Muschamp at Florida. Will Muschamp is one of the most unlucky coaches out there. <laughs> now, nobody's going to play the violin for him. You know, if you're a Gamecock fan, uh, much like the upcoming election in November, a lot of people have already made up their mind whether they who they are going to vote for. A lot of people have already made up their mind whether or not they want Will Muschamp as their head coach. No one decided. But, uh, yeah, but somebody I mean, like something like that. If, if it goes your way and you win that game, the season could take on an entirely different trajectory. It looks like they've got a quarterback now. They obviously were competitive in the game. I'll tell you, I'm watching on TV, and I know they're only allowed 20% capacity. It sounded like a sellout crowd on the, on the tube. Like the, the fans at Williams-Brice were jacked up. Uh, a lot of things to, to cheer on. And then at the end, Bupkis, Tennessee wins the game, and uh, obviously that's a program that is heading in the right direction. Your thoughts on what happened in the capital city? Well, I, I think, you know, Tennessee, I think the difference between South Carolina and Tennessee right now, I mean, I don't, I don't think there was this vast talent difference either way. I, I think the difference between those two teams right now is confidence. And if you think back to last year and Tennessee down the stretch, they won a lot of games just like they won that one Saturday night. And, and that comes when you're, when you're building a program um, you know, and, and you're only in year three, like Pruitt, you know, after they had the bad start to last year, you know, at some point you just got to go win. 
and, 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 and just say, all right, well, we're, you know, we're going to go beat who we can and we're going to be confident. We're going to forget about the past and roll on. And they did finish. had had some, you can even say improbable victories at the end of last year, like the Gator bowl. Uh, and then they toughed it out and, and confident teams, Mike, compared to non-confident teams, whenever, you got kind of an upstart that counter punches, you know, and South Carolina did, they got down 21 seven and South Carolina counter punch with two excellent drives, tied it up at 21. All right. Cause so, so, so then here we go. Here comes Tennessee right back down the field, kick the field goal. All right. So the Gamecocks tied up 24, you know, 24 all. All right. Well, Tennessee rallies for a touchdown. And, and if you're South Carolina's defense, you can't be, and this has happened at South Carolina a lot lately. And get it dating back to last year and even the year before. The the defense of all things, which is supposed to be the strength, you know, when the offense plays well, they take a lot of counter punches, you know, and, and they can't seem to get off the field and seize momentum. If you'd have told me before the game, Tennessee would be one for eleven on third down, <laughs> that they would muff a punt. Uh, and that, that South Carolina would have 290 passing yards and 27 points. I would have said they would have won the game because you know, Tennessee actually didn't muff the punt. They had the thing, but I know South Carolina muffed it at the end, but, but it didn't work out. And, and this is becoming a, a trend for Muschamp in very important football games. Think back to the South Carolina game when he was at Florida, you know, their special teams had not had a kick blocked all year. South Carolina hadn't blocked a kick all year. South Carolina blocks a field goal and a punt to tie the game and win it, wins it in overtime. Um, you know, the, the Missouri game that year, Missouri beat Florida 42-13 and with 77 yards of total offense. <laughs> Missouri had 77 yards of total offense and won 42-13 at the Swamp. Um, and, 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 you know, at South Carolina, initially it was such a rebuild that, you know, they kind of beat the teams they should, and, you know, lost the teams they should. And, you know, there were some, some games like Michigan and NC State. They probably shouldn't have won that they did. And, you know, they're, they're rolling through in 2018 at six and three after two come from behind victories over Tennessee and Ole Miss. They're at the Swamp Mike up 17 in the third, late third quarter, and they blew it. And since that point, Will Muschamp is four and 12 against FBS competition. Not just Power Five, that record is worse. Four and 12 against FBS competition, and they can't seem to get up off the mat. Go beat Georgia last year, couldn't capitalize. You know, stamp the streak against Kentucky, start a streak against Missouri and Tennessee. Um, this cannot continue. And, and then the final piece of unluck, besides the fact that his top running back, the first five star running back Carolina's had since Marcus Lattimore, you know, tears his ACL in a non-contact drill this preseason. Uh, besides that stuff, which just happens every year, it seems. You know, <coughs> excuse me, I have a little cold I'm fighting. Um, South Carolina's schedule, when we had the regular schedule, was the following. It opened with Coastal, followed by East Carolina, followed by a home game at Missouri, and then a road trip to Kentucky. And then this week, they're about to go to the Swamp. So if we hadn't had a global pandemic, Will Muschamp can very well be 4-0 right now. 
<laughs> and that's not illogical after watching everybody play. But there was a global pandemic, and so, okay, you got to open with Tennessee and Florida. I mean, I just can't think of, you know, what more could possibly happen to the guy? Uh, well, the only thing I could think of is that he would have what he thought was a private conversation drop an F time and it becomes public. But that probably would never happen. Oh, man, I talked about that today. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, of all the things, I mean, look, I, I didn't mind it at all. I, I, I you know, that, that, it, look, Will Muschamp's Will Muschamp, but it shouldn't, that shouldn't be offensive. But, man, I mean, you know, your mom, his mom, he said his mom called him up and got on him about it, you know? And I'm like, good Lord. I just, uh, you know, and, and yeah, the thing me, is, you know, I, again, I, I've said this before. God does everything right. God's got a plan. You listen to him. You, it, it just some for some reason right now, and maybe this turns around, he just doesn't have good fortune. Spurrier used to call it fortune. He never said luck. He said, we had good fortune today. The Gators had yeah. good fortune. Um, Will Muschip just, just does not have good fortune on game day at all. God is not smiling on Will Muschamp the way he did the Gators and Gamecocks when Spurrier was there. Uh, th- that is for sure. So we'll see how they do as heavy underdogs uh, against those same Florida Gators uh, next week. Speaking of next week, we'll break down all of uh, next week's action. Also go over some of the other top 25 scores from this previous Saturday in just a second. Hey folks, mortgage rates have dipped to their lowest levels in recent history and with home values up in many areas, now may be the perfect time to refinance your home. Whether you're looking to lower your monthly payments, free up cash for home improvements, or just pay off your home faster, a quick call to the one and only Stuart Wingo of Ameris Bank could save you money. If you're looking for competitive rates and exceptional service, call Stuart Wingo, 803-319-1777. That's 803-319-1777. You will save money just like I have so many times over the years. You can also visit him, amerisbank.com slash Stuart Wingo. Stuart Wingo, the man with the plan for all your mortgage needs. It's hard to talk about the Big 12 these days because it's a league that is is, uh, undergoing a lot of issues. 0-3 against the Sun Belt the other week. Hmm. And then everybody's been pinning their hopes on Oklahoma, as we know. And Oklahoma up, what was it, 24 points in that game? Uh, the, the percentage of losing that game where they were as a top five team, it was next to zero. You know, they do all these uh, computations now. And, and I actually know some of those degenerate gamblers where you can bet in the middle of a game. Yes. Actually, after it already started, right? So when Oklahoma was way up on Kansas state, if you wanted to take a flyer and say K state was going to come back and win the game in the fourth quarter, you could have gotten like 300 to one odds or something ridiculous. Well, that's exactly what happened. Uh, We used to call this the Bob Stoops effect. He'd have one of these things every year. It felt like Uh, now it's bitten Lincoln Riley. And unlike previous years, I just don't see any way where a one loss Oklahoma team finds its way into the playoff this year. And I mean, they still have Texas and I, I, I shouldn't mail the mail it in too much, I, but I just, at some point, the overall strength of that conference or lack thereof is going to do it in. And so if you're not undefeated, uh, it, you're going to have a really hard time getting in, in my estimation, 
from the Big 12 Conference. I, I, I know I'm not going to make many friends. We, we had a couple of Big 12 listeners to the podcast say, uh, we'd love to hear you guys talk more Big 12. Well, I'm talking it, and I've pumped up this league before. Uh, I, I like a lot about this league. I love the, 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 the stature of the programs. There's good tradition in the Big 12, and there's good coaches in the Big 12 and everything else. But that loss is crippling not just to OU, but perhaps the conference unless Texas goes undefeated. I mean, yeah, it was a complete collapse. When you have four turnovers and, and you, you throw three picks and lose a fumble, and I think there was a punt block too in that game. Uh, you know, you think about it, and it would be easy for me to rip the Oklahoma defense, but, heck, they, they held Kansas State to 66 rushing yards. Um, you know, the pass defense wasn't all that good, 334. Uh, Kansas State was two for 11 on third down. Um, you know, there was really the turnovers and the mistakes uh, that they made in, in the football game. You know, Spencer Radler is a guy that, you know, for the first time, Lincoln Riley does not have that transfer senior quarterback or upperclassman, you know, because he had Baker Mayfield, then he had Kyler Murray, and, and, and you know, then he had Jalen Hurts. And now, you know, it's Rattler, and he's a young guy, a talented recruit, but a young guy. Um, and, and so we'll see what happens there. I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, uh, you said Texas has to go undefeated, and I agree. Uh, I would still look out for Oklahoma State. And I know they had an ugly game against uh, – and they haven't really looked good at all. No. But I still – I think if the Cowpokes go do, do go undefeated, that they'll get some consideration. I, oh, yeah. If I, I they think do that, that, I'm just not taking know, that, that – Yeah, seriously. you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it either. I, don't, I, I would be surprised if Texas made it through undefeated, to be honest. I, I think that this is a league where you kind of – I mean, Texas was very lucky to survive the, the Texas Tech Red Raiders this past 63, weekend. 63-56 in overtime. You give up 56 to Texas Tech. Um, and that, that collective sigh you heard or, or collective sigh of relief you heard was the Big 12 office going, because you need Texas to win that game. Uh, fortunately for the league, they pull it off in overtime um, but yeah, there's just, this has not been a good month. September has not been a banner month for the big 12. That, that is for certain. Now, and how, how many college basketball games in the Southeastern conference have you called where they've scored less than 63, 56, Mike? Right. I mean, yeah. geez, uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. So yeah, <laughs> I agree. Big 12, not, not stellar at this point, but, uh, you know, for their sake and for our, our listeners sake that like the big 12, hope they turn it around. Yeah, no question. Uh, it hasn't been a good y- a period of years for Florida State football. Ooh, did you have to mention that? Oh, yeah. Ooh. 52 to 10 to Miami. Now, okay, let's get this out of the way. De'Ara King, great find, super job getting him as a transfer uh, difference maker at Miami. Manny Diaz all of a sudden looking like the guy they thought they were getting when they hired him, the U for the time being, let's give them a little love. Uh, I know so many U fans, 99% of which have never walked on the campus right now. They're, they're, they're making their little fingers gestures with the U and they're the gold chains and medallions out in South beach. Fired uh, up. Yeah. They're, they're back out there. And uh, so, so kudos to the U. Now, Florida State, 
We could do a whole podcast on Florida State. I've talked about this before. <laughs> when you take the swagger of the of the Florida schools and all of a sudden they have adversity, that swagger works against them. And they are now at the point where their psyche is so fragile that they just mail it in. They are not 42 points worse than Miami, not based on pure talent. That is a clear case, and we've seen that we saw it under the last coaching staff, and you could even make the point you saw it at the tail end of Jimbo Fisher. They are a team that lays down like dogs, as I hear a dog barking in the background. They're a team that lays down like dogs. The moment things don't start going their way, uh, there there is a look of defeatism on a lot of those kids' faces, I, I thought the offseason the off season was very telling with the way some of the guys wanted to throw Mike Norvell under the bus. Mike Norvell was barely on the job. They hadn't played a game. Uh, that sp- said a lot to me. Um, there, there is a culture problem in Tallahassee. I don't think there's any question about it. There is a toxicity that has been around that program for a while, and it's going to take more, Mike Norvell more than one year to get rid of it. I would start kicking people off the team if I were him and hit the, you know, uh, you got to find a way to fix this roster from a cultural standpoint. I mean, there's some name guys. Florida State's one of those teams that recruiting wise, they recruit a lot of names, but, you know, there's a lot of guys on that roster that I don't know if I'm a teammate I want to go to battle with. And you have to have those. And that's one thing I'm proud of Miami for this year, Mike, is because last year they had the exact same issue. You know, you don't go and lose to Duke get shut out by Louisiana Tech and lose to FIU if you're the University of Miami. And I think De'Aaron King along with – and I don't want to mention two guys, <clears throat> younger younger running backs, Donald Chaney Jr. and uh, Jalen Knighton, uh, have helped to spark that offense. I think that there's a renewed commitment to the defense to playing tough. Um, you know, and, and, and you look through the game against Louisville on the road, second game of the season, they had the adversity hit and they responded – they continued to do so. Was worried about King being able to throw the ball, but uh, last two games he's he's really been something special. You know, I, I don't I don't I don't know. You know, if Miami, you got Miami, Notre Dame, North Carolina uh, out there in the ACC right now that you know could challenge Clemson. Um, Pitt's and got so, a great defense. I'll give them that. And Pitt's got a great defense, but you know, in a couple of weeks, uh, seven thirty p.m. on ABC. The, the primetime game, Miami goes up to a socially distanced Death Valley uh, to hmm. play the Tigers. So we'll find out soon enough. But it's been, you know, a heck of a start for them. But you're, you're right. FSU may take – it may take another coaching change. I mean, Mike Norvell may do the best he can to get them back to, like, going to a bowl. And then it may take the next guy. It, it's that big of a mess, in my opinion. And I think – you know, quite frankly, that's what you get when you make that first bad hire. You know, when the, when you get the Willie Taggart in there and then things just go south and you had a bad culture to begin with and he didn't know how to fix it. You know, he's out after two years. And then, you know, poor Mike Norvell goes in there and just inherits a mess. Um, and, and there's no pride. I mean, it, you know, that, that program was built on pride. Uh, and, and their former players are upset. You know, I mean, and and so I, I I have a lot of sympathy for all the great Seminole fans out there and all that. Sympathy for Mike Norvell, sympathy for their administration. 
But, you know, no sympathy for those players because they're absolutely all better than what they've played so far. Yeah, and and I don't think you can pin this on Mike Norvell. Like, Mike Norvell was not just throw a dart at the board and give some young guy a chance. Mike Norvell did a hell of a job at Memphis, has been a coveted coach for a while, and I will still say was a good hire. I think you got some players, quite frankly, that didn't want to see Willie Taggart to go. And they didn't want to see him go, and they they weren't going to really give Mike Norvell their best. Uh, like I said, set the tone early on, um, and and that's just something he's going to have to deal with and work with. I think under ordinary circumstances, JC, you would start running some guys off. I think in this very sensitive climate, mm-hmm, yeah. he's got to be careful about that. Uh, so you don't want things to snowball. Uh, so he might just have to grin and bear it. He, he, this is going to be the most brutal year of his coaching life in all likelihood. And he, and he knows it. I guarantee you he knows it. And he's just got to sit back and uh, to, to use the, uh, uh, the quote in, in major league, one big blank burger to eat. <laughs> he's going to have to take a bite. I mean, that's just – that's just what it is in 2020 for Mike Norvell and Florida state. And then you got to start realizing, okay, who are your guys that truly want to compete for you? Then at the end of the year, you, you start running guys off, but, but I don't know about it in the middle of the season. I think he's just got to grin back and, uh, and take it unfortunately uh, for him. Uh, some of the other games, to stand out, I'll just throw some scores at you, JC. You can tell me which games uh, kind of caught your attention. UCF continues to, to be the cream of the Group 5 crop. They blow out East Carolina 51-28, Cincinnati over Army 24-10. You mentioned Oklahoma State beating West Virginia 27-13. BYU trounces Troy. Everybody talks about I wish Notre Dame was in a conference. I wish BYU was in a conference. Uh, Big 12 probably could have could have had them i know byu's got its own tv network and they don't mind being independent but what if the big 12 would have added byu and ucf i think that might have helped that league's credibility just a bit maybe a bit yeah. games with expansion yeah no uh doubt. louisiana continue. i'm sorry say it again uh yeah no doubt about the the big 12 and, and byu i thought that was a smart uh a smart move on their part to get back in the rocky mountains since they lost colorado but no dice, no dice on the expansion. They're just happy being a Texas conference, Mike. Texas and then them Kansas schools. We like in Oklahoma, too. I did a funny little voice. Um, and, and you mentioned Louisiana. Billy Napier, after the big win over Ohio's, uh, Iowa State, it's interesting because the Raging Cajuns, the, the two Georgia, Georgia State and Georgia Southern, have sort of played them close. They've been kind of um, – Closer than people think, but they're three and zero right now. Uh, and then UCF with with Josh Heupel uh, continues to be more and more pr- impressive this year. Uh, I think UCF Cincinnati uh, is something to kind of circle uh, as we move forward when we're talking about the group of five. Virginia Tech beats NC State forty five twenty four, and uh, Pittsburgh, who might have one of the best defensive lines in the country. They knock off Louisville 23-20. Of course, Wake Forest, Notre Dame postponed to a later 
date. Uh, anything under the radar that we didn't mention game that happened that uh, maybe piqued your interest? No, I, I think that's about Boston College going to two and zero with the transfer quarterback from Notre Dame because they got North Carolina this weekend. But that was more of a hey, they won, so they're two and zero, and Tar Heels have to go up to Chestnut Hill after after being off for a while. Mike, they I don't think they've played since uh, the first weekend of the year. Yeah, it is bizarre. Just you know, but again, we knew that going in. Yeah. Uh, it was announced today the NFL is going to have to postpone a game uh, involving the the Titans, uh, probably from a Sunday to at least a Monday. So we've had some postponements in college football. It, it's everything's going to be a little bit uh, clunky in some respect, but it's still better than the alternative. So mm-hmm. as I always say, I am not going to complain. Yeah, no I'm doubt about it. No doubt all. about it. So it was. Uh, so heck, go ahead. I was just going to go over the uh, the SEC slate for this week. Yeah, that's that sounds good to me, brother. All right, we got Carolina, Florida, A and M, Alabama, Ole Miss at Kentucky, Auburn, Georgia is the headliner at seven thirty on ESPN. Bulldogs six and a half point favorite. We don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be technically. Arkansas, Mississippi State, LSU at Vandy, and Missouri at Tennessee. Take a shot, my friend. I mean, I, I, I'm in, intrigued on some level by all the games, but I, you know, as I will be every week, uh, you know, what what can what does Arkansas Mississippi State look like? I mean, is it, you know, did, did we see some signs of life out of Arkansas? Is is, is Felipe Franks all they've got? Because they got some other guys uh, that can probably turn it over less. Is their offense going to be that bad? You know what's Mississippi State going to do? I mean, so so that that's that was that becomes more of an intriguing game than it was. Um, Auburn, Georgia. You know, I like I said, I think Stetson Bennett's going to start and play the whole game and probably uh, do some good things. I, I think Auburn did have issues on offense last week um, that they have to solve because they they have to be able to score against what I think is the best defense in the country, and so. That's going to be the key to that top 10 showdown. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, Mike, the LSU-Vandy game to me, it makes me, you know, if I were LSU, I'd just be a little bit more nervous than maybe I was. <laughs> no question. Uh, the game's at Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt has been good for that one upset a year for a while. Uh, LSU certainly got their wake-up call on uh, Saturday against Mississippi State. Uh, I, I think uh, I think Kentucky Ole Miss is intriguing, as as you mentioned. I mean, yeah. Kentucky for a team that everybody's so high on, that's a that's a dangerous game at home. You could go zero and two before you know it. And then they got Mississippi State the week after that. They, they're going to have to put some points on the board. And you know, like I said, through through about three quarters on Saturday, it, it was like, oh well, this is why people thought Kentucky could win. Um, but I also believe with all of my heart that Auburn does have some offensive lines issues they need to solve to get a more push in the running game. You know, Ole Miss is coming off a, a game where they, they just went up and down the field. Um, and so these next two teams are going to be able to score. So Kentucky itself has to be able to score. Um, it should be such a great contrast in styles and strengths uh, this weekend in Lexington. 
Just some news notes out there that came down recently today. Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman, the All-American, who had opted out. And initially, the NCAA was balking at whether or not to let him back in. Of course, the, the X factor is uh, the agent. Did he receive something? <laughs> we know how that goes. Mm. That goes on all the time anyway. I know agents in college football. Um, that is not a clean, um, sanctimonious business by any stretch. But nevertheless, I'm, ga- I'm glad he's been cleared. He's back. Good for Minnesota. Yeah, excellent player out of the state of Georgia is where they went and got him. Um, they, they went and found him, and he, he had some SEC-type offers uh, down the stretch of his recruitment. He stuck with Minnesota, and good for him. He's done a great job up there. Big deal for P.J. Fleck in what I think is going to be a mad race for those divisions in the Big Ten, man. You, you know, you only got eight games. You need all your hosses, and Minnesota was such a great story last year, and uh, it could be interesting this year if they end up uh, having a good year getting, and then you get to Indianapolis and uh, I'm assuming that's where they're going to have it. Uh, if you win that Western division and then Mike, all it takes is one magic night where you upset the Buckeyes and you're not going to do it without Rashad Bateman, by the way, but you do it. And the golden Gophers are in the playoff. Most likely, most likely I'll caveat, I'll say most likely in that situation. It should be a lot of fun. And again, I, you know, as we sit here, we're closing out the month of September and into October. Uh, I do look forward to getting the Big Ten back. Um, I, I think that uh, there, that will add something to the overall scope of college football and, and the Pac-12 as well, but definitely the Big Ten. Um, I want to see what Ohio State is. I want to see what Michigan is, Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, you know, it's, it's an intriguing league, and it's unfortunate that uh, the way things were run, that they took this long to, to jump on board, and we have this disjointed schedule. But I'll be glad to uh, to get them back as well. And so glad to see SEC football taking place with week one under the belt. Before we wrap things up, I do want to mention again, uh, mortgage rates dipping lower than they've ever been in recent history. And with home values up in many areas, now the perfect time to refinance your home. Simply put, interest is wasted money. So if you want to lower your monthly payments or free up cash for home improvements uh, or just pay off your home faster, call Stuart Wingo at Ameris Bank. doesn't matter where you're listening to us. I've done business with Stuart for nearly 20 years uh, in multiple states, and the result is always the same. He saves me thousands of dollars compared to the average mortgage broker out there. I don't know how he does it. I don't care. Uh, Is he the best-looking guy in the world? No. Uh, is he a real funny guy? No, not really. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else this guy has going for him, to be honest with you. All I know is if you do business with him, he's going to save you thousands of dollars. So uh, I'm not asking you to date him uh, or invite him to your party to provide laughter. I'm just telling you, if you want to save money, this is the guy to give your business. 803-319-1777. That's 803-319-1777. That's Stuart Wingo of Ameris Bank. You, on the other hand, JC, you're not saving anybody money, but you are the eye candy. You are the life of the party. You are the guy that everybody gravitates to. I know. That's why I'm, I'm JC Sherbert. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's awesome. But yeah, Wednesday, Wednesdays are always a, a talking day for me. And I get up, I do radio in Tuscaloosa, Alabama with a Wimp and Barry Sanderson on Tide 1029. Uh, then I have a podcast I record, and then I do the JB and Goldwater show in South Carolina for an hour. Love and then those I, guys. Then I usually get to come on with you, man. So it's yeah. all, 
always a, a great Wednesday deal uh, for me in terms of uh, talking a little college football. Tell Wimp Sanderson I did hello. When I first started doing basketball on television, he was one of the first uh, analysts that I worked with, guys like him and Eddie Fogler and John Cress and a lot of Southern uh, coaches uh, that are no longer doing TV. But uh, Wimps, I want to talk about a guy with some stories now. That is definitely one of them. JC, it's been fun. Looking forward to another great weekend of action and looking forward to being back with you next week. Uh, thanks, Mike. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Should be another great weekend of college football. And uh, week one to week two in the SEC, mysterious things happen. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about some mysterious things uh, next week. So for JC, it's Mike. It's JC and Morgan. We're safe so long. We'll see you next week.